You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. It's good to come together on this long weekend. Uh, a few of you didn't go camping. That's good. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, of course, our, typically our start of the camping season, right, as Canadians. And for a change, there was not snow on this weekend. So, so it's good. Uh, if you are joining us online this morning, just want to uh, give you a special welcome. Uh, if you want to uh, let us know that you joined us, we'd love that as well. And uh, we are continuing in the book of Romans. We're getting close to the end of this book. It's been so rich uh, going through it this almost last two years together uh, as we've been looking at what, does, uh, what is the gospel. Uh, that's really the main theme, uh, Romans 1 through 116, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. And uh, he's been talking about that a lot in the, in the power of the gospel. This morning, it's a little bit of a unique uh, turn. He's, he's, he's changing the topic in, in uh, it was one of those texts where you're kind of like, okay, what, what, what can we learn from this? And I've entitled it, A Paul, A Model to Follow. And we think about the life of Paul and what he was about and who he was in Christ. He is a model to follow. He was someone who, who knew uh, what he, who he was in Christ, right? His identity in him, like that's what you see him talking about over and over again. He's a servant of Christ. He's an apostle. He, he, he's set apart for the gospel. This was his focus. This was his mission. And, and he knew that where the power lay, not within himself, but in the gospel, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he lived his life accordingly. And this morning, I think identity is really important. Do you understand who you are in Christ? If I was just to ask you, like, who are you? Now, if you are at 6 o'clock tonight, you might just say, oh, I'm a Flames fan, I'm an Oilers fan, is there a hockey game on? You know, that would tell you, you know, kind of where you're at in that world. But, but if it were just to say, who are you? Sometimes we are, what, what, we're, what matters to us most is what, how we identify ourselves. You know, so if you said, I'm a conservative, I'm liberal, obviously politics is important to you. If you said, I'm, I'm a father, I'm a mother, that, then obviously family is important to you. What would you say first in regards to your identity? And again, as you think about Paul, his identity was always about who he was in Christ, his new identity in him. And as followers of Christ, Paul is a model to follow. And I want to just encourage you this morning to be thinking about this. What, who am I? Why am I here on this earth? And how am I going to live as a result of that? That, that, that really should be something that we're thinking about every day. Who am I in Christ? Why am I here? And then how do I need to live as a result of that? Answers to those two questions. And so we're going to be looking at Paul's example to us this morning. But before we do, let us pray one more time together. God, we thank you so much for this time in your word today. God, we thank you for just the remarkable work that you did in your servant Paul. God, Paul would be the first person to say that it wasn't about him, it was about the work that you did in and through him. And, and as such, Lord, we, we pray 
um, that we would follow Paul as he followed Christ. God, we, um, we know that we're so easily distracted. We're so uh, easy to, to get on to our own mission rather than your mission. And God, this morning, I pray that this would just be a good time to just take stock of where we're at and change the course accordingly. God, we thank you that um, it was your good will to write this word to us, Lord, that we might know you more, that we might love you better. And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just um, use this time powerfully in our lives and that we would leave here better worshipers than when we came in. For your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at Romans 15. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and slip up your hand. I sure would be happy to get you a copy of God's Word so that we can look at the Bible together. Again, I cannot emphasize that enough. Our authority is the Scriptures. It is the Word of God. Uh, it, it's not about some cutesy little talk on Sunday morning from some preacher. It, it, it is about the word being proclaimed. And so if you don't have a copy of God's word, just slip up your hand and then the ushers will be happy to get you a copy of that. But let's turn together to Romans chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 14 to 21 this morning. 14 to 21. Let me start by reading it. I myself am satisfied about you. This is Paul speaking. My brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by, power, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition, ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. As we think about Paul, a modeled follower, we think about someone who, who is living a healthy Christian life. And so as we think about that, we, as we consider the Paul's words, we see the characteristics and the concerns of a healthy Christian. Someone, someone that we, we were like, that's a model to follow. We, we, if, we could, if we could grow up, we want to be like Paul, right? That's, that should be our goal. Why? Because he was like Christ. And... Um, and so we're going to see, first of all, the characteristics of a healthy Christian. Characteristics of a healthy Christian. First, we see uh, someone who is supportive. Supportive. And again, in verse 14, he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. He's just finished instructing them from chapter 1 through chapter 15. He, he, is, he had the initial greetings of of his, of his care for them, of his support for them. And then he's been, he's been writing to them about the glorious gospel and the implications of it uh, for the last 15 chapters, right? And, uh, and yet he has, this, he has this heart for them. 
He's heard about their faith. He's never been to Rome. He has, he's heard about their faith. And he said in Romans 1.8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. And so he doesn't, he's never met these people. He's, he knows a few of them, but he's never been to Rome. But he has a heart for them. And he wants to, he wants to encourage them. He wants them to, to say, look, even though I've taught you all these things, I, I want you to be encouraged. I don't want you to be discouraged by everything that I've taught you. I, I want you to know that, that, that I believe that you are full of goodness. Goodness here translates a rather rare, rare word that can denote general uprightness in conduct or more specifically kindness and generosity towards others. It probably would be the more general here, their uprightness and conduct, that they're, they're living good lives, they're, they're following Christ's example, they're, they're following his word. And so he, he wants to encourage them that, 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 that they're, they're not just have some goodness, but we'll note here that they are full of goodness. They're living good lives. They're, they're, they're living out the faith. Now, I think it's important to just kind of take a step back and say, okay, why, why is he taking this, saying this now to them? Why, why is he encouraging them now? Again, he encouraged them in 1.8, but now he's doing it again. I think there's somewhat of this, the weight of everything he's taught, where, where the, the believers in Rome could have thought, well, I, I, thought, I, thought, we were, I thought we were doing okay. And it could almost be discouraged. It, it would be like coming home, you know, you're, you're really excited. You can't, you're coming home and you, you present your report card to mom and dad and you, you have all 80s. And, and they're just like, okay, but like you could get 90s. Like, would that be encouraging? No, that would be discouraging. You're like, okay, like I... It, it, well, we, what do we need to first acknowledge? Man, you're, you're, you're doing so well. You're working hard. You're getting 80s and, and that, that's really good. And, and then, then it would be like, okay, but now how do we, how do we go? But... But if we don't acknowledge that you're doing well in the first place, it could just be really discouraging. You, you've probably had that in your life, right? Whether it was at school or, or something else, you, you, you know, you're running the race well. Maybe, maybe it was an athletic thing. You, scored, you finally scored a goal, and, and then all the focus was on, like, how do you get two goals? Like, like that's discouraging. And so Paul is he's coming along as a, as a fellow brother. Do you see the brothers and sisters? He uses the word Adelphoi here. Is a word of affection, is to say that we're in this together. Like, like I, I've said all these things to you, but, but I want you to know that I believe that you're doing well, that, that, that you should just keep running, that you should keep doing the things you're doing. You're full of goodness. How, where does goodness come from? Galatians 5.22. It's a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, I know, I know that you are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Why? Because I see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And so you're full of goodness. That's a great thing. Be encouraged by that. It's important that we encourage one another, not just focus on all the things that we aren't doing yet. Like who, who, who in your life do you need to do that with this week, today? Just come alongside them and say, hey, I, I, you know what? I don't take time to, to focus on the things that you are doing well already. So I just want to encourage you, like, I see all these good things in your life, and, and then tell them that, and then how can I come alongside you so that you could see even more fruit? That, that ought to be our heart as brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I uh, my family's not at the first service, probably a good thing, 
right? But they would tell you, I'm terrible at this. I, I just tend to focus on the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, rather than just taking, like, let's just praise God for the work that's already happening. And, and just rest in that and encourage one another. Like, it's a good day. We're all here. Amen? We're all here. And, 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 and we, we have hope today because we're in Christ. And, and, and the, as we're going to see, not due to anything in us, there's some really good things going on in our lives. We need to praise God for that. Encourage one another. And when we see those fruits of the Spirit in one another's lives, say, hey, praise God. And so that's a characteristic of a healthy Christian is someone who is supportive, someone who is encouraging. And that should be seen throughout our church on a weekly basis. So we come together, come anticipating to do that, do it throughout the week. Let us be supportive. What's another characteristic of a healthy Christian? Well, they're wise. Wise. We see this in the last half of this, half of this verse. They're filled, Paul says, they're not only full of goodness, but they're filled with all knowledge and they're able to instruct one another. Ultimately, the goodness comes through their understanding of knowledge. Now, this isn't like you're really good at math. You know, you know biology well. No, this is the knowledge of the word of God. And they know it such that they are able to instruct one another. Again, the, the idea here of filling is like, it's like pouring over, right? They're, they're up to the limit. They're filled with all knowledge of their faith so that they're able to instruct one another. How are you doing in that? Are you, are you continually growing in your knowledge of the faith? I, I loved Norm's uh, talk uh, last weekend uh, at the men's retreat. He said, if I hear one more guy, okay, guys, we're terrible for using this excuse, but if I hear one more guy say, well, I'm not a reader, he said, I, I, I think he was saying he was even violent. We're at a men's retreat, so it was okay. He said, I want to smack him, you know, um, because why? You know, in his own personal life, his goal was to get through school without reading a book. I mean, that was his, you know, he was not a reader, and yet he's like, in Christ, though, he needed to learn to read so that he could grow in his love and knowledge of Christ so that he might be able to instruct others. And I think last weekend we see that, praise God, he's doing that really well. And that should be the goal for you and I. Now, if you were in Christ like a week, you shouldn't be here yet, right? There, there's, you, you can, there's lots to grow. But if you're in Christ for 20 years and you're still drinking milk and eating pablum, that's a problem. It should not be the case for believers. Why? Because we got a job to do. What's that job? We're here to make disciples. We're here to pass on the knowledge. We're here to pass on the faith to, to the generation. Like, it's, it's awesome. Like, we say goodbye to the kids and like half the congregation leaves, right? How are we doing in equipping ourselves so we can pass on the faith to those ones who are going to be facing a world that's chaotic and crazier than we've ever seen, right? Like, how are we equipping them? And you can't equip them if you don't know this. And how are you going to know this? Well, I, just, I think I just keep living and eventually it just will happen somehow. 
eh, right? Not, that's not how it works. I got to read. I'm not a very good reader. That's okay. Figure it out. How will I do that? Well, there's lots of helps nowadays. You can, you can, you can open your Bible and then put on the audio Bible to help you kind of track if you need to. Do whatever you need to do. When it comes to filling your mind with stuff, fill it with the Word of God. Access to the knowledge is like unlimited now, right? You can listen to a different preacher every day if you want, right? You, you can listen to all kinds of really good podcasts. You can, there's all kinds of there's systematic theologies, biblical theologies. I mean, the, the riches that are ours now, there is no excuse for you not to continually be growing in your knowledge of God. And so this should be our pursuit. Not just so that I can have it, so that I can pass it on. This is what he's saying here. Filled with the knowledge so that I'm able to instruct others. May God help us to do that, to be disciplined. You need to have a plan, though. Right? What's the plan? You got, don't have a plan? Get a plan this afternoon. This next week. This is the books I'm going to start reading. Right? I'm going I'm to... I haven't read Genesis forever. I heard, uh, there's rumors that the preacher might be preaching that in the fall. I'm going to get a head start. All right? I, 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 you know, I haven't been in the Gospels forever. Open up the Gospel of Matthew. Whatever you need to do, but get, get a plan. And then not just read, but study. Meditate. If you're not sure what tools are out there, we can help you. There's tons of tools. But let us grow so that we are able to instruct one another so that we might be wise. And this idea of instructing one another, it's not this idea of just passing on knowledge, but it's applying to the, word, the word of God to each person's life for their specific situation. So sometimes it's a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's admonishment. Sometimes it's rebuke. It's taking the word of God and applying it to one another's lives so that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. This is the goal of the believer. It's another healthy characteristic of a believer. Third, straightforward, verse 15. This should be something that we're, we're straightforward. What I mean by that is not mamby-pamby, right? Not, 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 not like, oh, I gotta, I gotta measure my words. I gotta, but like, just tell the truth. Just be bold, as he says here in verse 15. But on some points I've written to you very boldly, by way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God. Right? He, 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 he's saying, look, I, I know you guys already know this stuff, but I'm telling you again, by way of reminder. Anybody else here need reminders? Like, we need them continually. We need continual reminders of the truth of the Word of God. If not, eh, we're off in the ditch. That's, that's just who we are. Left to our flesh, we will find a different course. It's not like we just teach it once. We're like, oh yeah, I got it. No, we need to be taught it over and over and over again so that we may not forget it. How, how do churches, how do denominations get off course by forgetting? They, 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 they forget the truths of God's word and they go another way. So we need to be bold in our proclamation of the word. 
MacArthur says this about Paul. He was not bold because they were carnal and facilitating, vacillating, sorry, but because they were uncompromising and steadfast. A good teacher must keep in mind the opposing problems of familiarity and forgetfulness. For even the best of minds with the sincerest devotion, that which is not kept familiar eventually will be forgotten. And so we need to continually be reminding ourselves of the truths of the gospel. If not, they will be forgotten. That's why we need to keep going back to the word over and over and over again. I love how Paul here is saying he's very bold. He's bold, why? Because of the grace given him by God. He understands who he is. He is an apostle. He has a responsibility to the Gentiles. If he's not bold with them, then he knows the church is going to get off course. It's not going to be what it ought to be. The Gentiles, when you look at the book of Romans, the Gentiles and Jews would have been duking it out, okay? That's why they needed to be reminded. That's why he has to be bold. It's not a boldness of his own mission. It's not about his own thing. He's just saying, look, this is what the word of God is to you. And so he, he's, not, he's not trying to please them in any way. Like when I get up here on Sunday morning, I'm not seeking to make friends, I'm not seeking like, oh, oh man, I hope Jesse thinks this is okay if I say this. Why? Because I, it's not about me. It's about the mission of God. It's about his word. We have to proclaim it as it is. Why? Because souls are at stake. If, if, if I don't proclaim this, and I, I say my own thing, then, then that could mean damnation for someone. How could I do that? And so we have to get over ourselves and our own little missions and our own thing and say, look, I, this, this, this may cause you some discomfort, pain, but, but it needs to be said, this is what the Word of God says and, and what you're doing right now is sin. And I, I wouldn't be loving to you if I didn't tell you this. We need to be as Paul, Paul here and just be straightforward. Listen, I know on a long weekend, you could be just passing through. If your church taught one thing in the 1980s and now they teach something totally different in 2022, you probably should look for a different church. it's likely that they once proclaimed what this word says and now they're trying to change to match the culture. And that's the worst possible thing a loving Christian could ever do. So, so we need to just be straightforward with one another. Souls are at stake. We want to we encourage one another. We want to strengthen one another. Let us be bold. Fourthly, let us be focused Let's be focused. I mean, you think about the opportunities for you and I to be distracted on a daily basis. Ridiculous amount of opportunities to be distracted. Paul was not someone who was distracted. 
He said, because of the grace of God given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Paul knew his calling by God. How did he receive his calling? By his grace. Paul had no mistake. He had no illusions about that, right? He was like, well, he probably chose me because I'm pretty amazing, right? That's why, that's why I was chosen as an apostle. I would have chosen me as an apostle out of all these other people because I am pretty incredible. Like that's not Paul's attitude whatsoever. He knows who he is. He is a sinner who would have continued to walk in rebellion against God for the rest of his life if left to himself. And God has not only saved him, but he's given him this extra grace of being an apostle. And so he says, I, 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 it's given me by God, and so what do I do? I, I minister, I'm a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. To be a minister here is to be a priest. This is the idea here. Now, we don't have an Old Testament priestly kind of thing going on anymore, right? We don't want to have people sacrificing lambs and, and goats for the, for the sins of the people. We don't have priests going to God in be, on behalf of others. Why? Because Christ died once and for all. He was the Lamb of God who was sacrificed. And so now we have full access to God. And then not, not only that, but he now makes us priests so that we can go to others with the gospel of God. And this is what Paul's talking about here. Was it just for Paul? Well, it says in 1 Peter 2, 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Our, our lives now are in service to him. Every single one of us who is a follower of Jesus Christ is now a servant of Jesus Christ. So our orders come from him. We don't order him. He orders us, and he calls us to be priests. And as priests, we have the job of taking the gospel of God to everyone on this earth. That's the job. The Great Commission is not done, just in case we're not aware of that, right? Still many people to hear the gospel of God. And so as we come here... We worship together so that we might be sent out to be witnesses. This is the pattern that ought to be of our, of our lives. And so we're ministers of God. Is this your focus this morning? Are you focused on serving the Lord as a priest who serves in the gospel of God? As you think about this last week, how was that? How did you do? Was that, was that one of your primary focuses? I am a priest of God. I have an opportunity to take the gospel of God to a lost and dying world. So every morning when I woke up, I thought, okay, Lord, this is the mission. This is what I'm going to do. Was that, does that describe you? Lord, help us. Lord, help us not to be distracted. Lord, help us to, to see that the fields are still ripe into the harvest. If we would just proclaim the excellencies of him who has saved us, there would be more people coming back here next weekend. 
Which brings us to our next point. We need to be sacrificial. We need to be sacrificial. And using this word, we're thinking both of that which it takes, me dying to self, but also worshiping the Lord. We, we reclaim the gospel of God. Why? Why? So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Again, it goes back to Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Every time I proclaim the gospel of God, I know that it will save people. And so as I go out and I proclaim, I'm able to bring in an offering. Who, who's, what's the offering that I'm bringing? It's not lambs and goats. It is people who are being saved. That's now the, the new offering in Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture? We talked about offering, and we often think about offering like in our world of financial giving. And that's a, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing that we get to do as servants of Christ is to give back a portion of what he's given to us. But another beautiful offering we're able to offer is those people who are now saved because God used us to proclaim his word. Like there's none of us really, like, you know, and, and there's lots of scriptures to show us that this became a problem. Right? There should be none of us who are like, yeah, these are, these are my converts. Right? These are the people that I saved. Right? They had the whole, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos thing. He was like, that's ridiculous. We're all of Christ. Right? So, so the goal is we worship together here this morning and then we go out. And as we come back next Sunday, because, because we proclaim the word, there are new people who are saved. And we come here and we present an offering to God. You say, hey, Lord, here's the new servants of you. And we worship together about what God has done. That, that, that person who was dead in their sins today, now next week, is alive in Christ. He's worshiping. And then we go back out to witness again. And it should be the cycle over and over and over again. MacArthur says this, in faithful fulfillment of his unique apostolic calling, Paul's supreme offering to God was a multitude of Gentiles who by virtue of the Holy Spirit's power had been sanctified and thus made acceptable for fellowship with the Father. Like note, note in this verse, you see the gospel of God, you see the power of the Holy Spirit, you see Christ Jesus, like the whole Trinity is at work to save. And, and we get to be partakers in this. It, it's, it's through our gospel proclamation that God opens hearts and minds. Like it's an incredible thing that we get to be a part of. Like does that describe your weekly cycle? You anticipate coming back together again on Sunday morning to worship like, it's going to be so good to gather again and worship and to be reminded of the truths of God so that we can be sent out to be his witnesses, so that we can come back with more people to worship, so we can be sent back. Like, that's the goal until Christ returns. And so God, help us not to be distracted with our own little missions. Help us to, to see the great need out there. I mean, Paul 
was a man on mission. This was his characteristics of his life, and it ought to be the characteristics of you and I. This is not just for super Christians. That's a lie. This is for every believer who is in Christ today. And that, instead of being, like, okay, you know, really? I was having a great week until now, you know? You know, like, you're putting this burden on me. I was happily, had forgotten about this stuff. But now I feel burdened again. Like, it shouldn't be that way. It should be like, are you kidding me? Like, so we get, we get to go out and snatch people out of hell. Like, that, that's the job we get to do as his followers. Not, not by anything that we would do other than to proclaim that Christ has come, that they might have life. Like, we get to do that. It should, it should be a joy. It should be an excitement. And may God help us to encourage one another and spur one another on. Because if we're living a healthy Christian life, these won't only be our characteristics, but they also will be our concerns. And this is what we see in the last few verses here. The concerns of a healthy Christian. The concerns of a healthy Christian. First we see a glorious boast. We're supposed to boast, right? Now, I know we have some K through grade ones in here t today because um, it's a long weekend. It's tough to get teachers, I think, right? And sickness and all that. So <clears throat> the kids that are in here, is it good that we brag? Should we brag, kids? Should we boast? What do you guys think? It's a tricky question. I'm actually trying to trick you, okay? Because you're like, uh, I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to, but it sounds like I might be being tricked here. For sure, I should never boast about what? Me. I should never boast about me. I should never brag about me. But as a believer, I should always boast about Christ. I should, I should be, people should be sick of hearing about me boasting about my God about how amazing he is. But that's who we should be in him. Look what it says in verse 17. In Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. All his labor, he has reason to be proud. Why? Because in Christ Jesus, this is what he's been able to do. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. He's still part of the equation, but he is not disillusioned in any way about who gets all the glory, about who gets all the credit. It's Christ. Christ gets all the credit. We had, a, we had our senior pastor in Wise Retreat this week um, out in Canmore, and uh, Dave Harvey came up and spoke at it, and it was just a sweet, sweet time. And, and he, uh, he preached on 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12, which says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The surpassing power, it's the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit within you. 
What is the jar of clay? You. You're the jar of clay. And then he, and then he talks about we're broken, we're squeezed, we're beaten down. It's in the brokenness. It's in our commonness where the gospel is shown greatest. It's been a hard week for some of our families. Some discouraging physical news. Things not turning out the way that we would hope. And sometimes it's like, why? Why, God? Why can't you just heal everyone? Why can't everything just just work out? And it's because God uses brokenness. God uses suffering to highlight his glory. If you're like me, and you might be, what I want to do is I want to shine that pot up, right? And say, look at me. Look at, look at me. Everybody should look at me and say, wow, what a great person. Wow, they're, 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 they're really, whatever, use the adjective, you know, nice. They're really generous. They're really, and that's the worst possible thing that could be. And, and we live in a world that what? Wants to make much of you. You can do anything. You, 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 you. Celebrate you. And the message of the gospel is like, we're jars of clay. We're nothing. But look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Let us boast in him. That's reality. I was so thankful for a message like that at a pastor's conference. How many pastor's conferences are trying to make much of us? Like, look at our church. Look at that. Look at, it's nothing about us. It's everything about him. And until we embrace our brokenness, until we embrace our weakness, then we're going to fail. We're going to be frustrated. But when we say, look, it's all about him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to glory in his power. I'm going to glory in my weakness. And say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. And so if I am this broken, hurting soul that still has hope, and that points people to you, then so be it. So be it. If you're in Christ today and you're thinking, well, this is kind of, like, kind of, you know, hurting my self-esteem. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 31. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. What does that mean? You're foolish. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Who is that? We, we are weak. We are the foolish. God chose what is low and despised in the world. That is you. 
even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's boast in him. As we leave this place, let us be boasting in him. That though we were wretches, rebellious against him, he has saved us. Let us say what it says in 1 Peter 2.9. Let us proclaim the excellencies of him as we leave here. It's not about you and I. I've said this many times. I'm really down on self-esteem. Yourself is a wretch. But I'm really high on Christ esteem, right? We are much in him. Let us rejoice in him. Let us get our eyes off of ourselves and on to him. You want to relieve the burdens of your life? Look to him and let us rejoice in him. He is worthy. So we have a glorious boast. We also have a triumphant mission. This should be our concerns each week. This should be our focus. We have a triumphant mission. He says, what is, what is it that Christ has accomplished through Paul? What Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. He, he, his mission was to bring the Gentiles to obedience. In other words, to faith in Christ. Those who were once walking in rebellion to God now are walking in obedience to Christ. It says, it says in Romans 6, 17 and 18, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. They're obedient to him. There are no, there's no such thing as a Christian who was walking in continual disobedience to Christ. You understand what, that, what I'm saying by that? You, you, can't, you can't say, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a follower of him and continue to walk in your sin as you did before. Will you still sin? Yes, sadly, you will still sin. But if that's the pattern of your life, then how can you say you are following him? The true believers walk in obedience to him. It says here that the Lord worked through Paul. How? Through both his words and deeds. In other words, Paul was a man of integrity. When he proclaimed a message, he then lived it out. When he said that, that you are loved, he then loved sacrificially. When he said, consider the interests of others as more important than your own, he then went out and did that. You see that pattern in his life over and over again. And so it wasn't just this proclamation with his mouth, it was proclamation with his life. And you and I, that's what we're called to do. As you leave this place and you proclaim the gospel, let your life also match that. And again, as we jerk the wheel back and forth, some people will think, well, it's just about the proclamation, and then I can live however I want. And that's not true. Other people are like, well, I'm just going to live out the gospel, and I, you know, hopefully they'll figure it out. And there's no proclamation. That doesn't work either. It is a both and. Through words and deeds. Not only did the gospel go forth with 
power that way through his words and deeds, but also we see in verse 9, by the power of signs and wonders. The Lord worked uniquely through the apostles, right? We know that, that with the apostles, that they were proclaiming the word, and at that time, people were like, is this true or not? And what God was doing through the apostles was to do signs and wonders through them to affirm that the, what they spoke was of him. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. They didn't have what we have today. They didn't have the full revelation of God. And so as they were out proclaiming, it was like, is this a false apostle? Because there was many out there. Or is this a true apostle? Is this someone who is truly a follower of Christ? Signs and wonders accompanying them. Now I want to talk about, just take a little quick commercial there, signs and wonders. A lot of people claiming to do signs and wonders today. Okay. I can be like, okay. To what end? To what end? Because we see the pattern in the Bible, the signs and wonders were to testify about the gospel. To, to bring people to Christ. That's what it was about. It wasn't just about the sign and wonder. Can God still do miracles today? 100%. He is God. I think about some of the medical situations, that little baby up at Edmonton with the heart issue right now, the Bulduka's baby. Could God just today say, heart healed? He can. 100% he can do that. And sometimes he doesn't. He is God. And we need to trust him. But in the signs and wonders, and I, I'll just give a word of warning. Sometimes what we see nowadays with signs and wonders, it's just about the signs and wonders. Just about the signs and wonders and a whole lot of preachers flying jets around from their signs and wonders ministry. I don't see that in the scripture. But God used these things in the life of Paul to affirm the gospel message. So by signs and wonders. What else? By the power of the Spirit of God. By the power of the Spirit of God. As incredible as it is that God could heal someone physically, the greatest miracle is that dead people could have life. Dead people. And what, what am I talking about there? You and I are dead in our sins apart from Christ. You, you are an unable to respond to the gospel. You are dead in your sins. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, he awakens your soul so that you might see his truth. You who were blind now are able to see Jesus is who he says he is. He, he did do what he said he would do. Uh, my sins are now forgiven in him. I do place my faith in him. That's a miracle. Every single conversion is a miracle. Do we understand that? <laughs> because there's what? There's only dead people and alive people. Right? There's not some people who are like, well, they're just little sinners. No, we're all sinners who have sinned against the Holy God and all deserve eternal condemnation. And so if you're here in Christ today, how did that happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit. 
This is why Paul does not boast about himself and anything that he's done because he knows it's only by the power of God. And so he had the power of the so he had the power of the Holy Spirit, he had signs and wonders, and he had word and deed as he proclaimed the message of the gospel, people were being saved. Where? From Jerusalem to the town that nobody can pronounce. All right? 2,200 kilometers away. And what Paul is saying, everywhere I went, it was my goal to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the gospel so that people might be saved. Was there a cost involved for Paul to do that? Man. I mean, you talk about conviction in my own life. I'm, I mean, if I'm being honest, in the flesh, I'm tired. I'm just tired. It's just, it just seems like every week it's like more and more and more to do. But then I read Paul's testimony. I'm like, really? I mean, that, <laughs> it makes my little tiredness kind of seem pretty wussy. I don't know, can I say that from the pulpit? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's what it makes me feel like. I mean, really? I mean, he, he, it wasn't just that he was getting beat and thrown in prison. He was dangerous. It says in the wasteland, in the wilderness, in the, in the, from rivers, like from all the elements. He was cold. He was hungry. He was thirsty. And yet he just kept going because people needed to be saved. People needed to hear the gospel. And so he was just on mission. Didn't matter the cost. And he just went after it and after it and after it. And that should be you and I. Like that driven focus. No matter what the cost to me personally, why? Because all this is so temporary. Eternity is waiting, and eternity is waiting for all the lost as well. And so he was on mission, believing that if he proclaimed the gospel, people would be saved. And so, should, so should, this should be our focus as well. Are we willing to sacrifice personally in order for the mission to go forward? Three concerns of a healthy Christian, a glorious boast, a triumphant, triumphant mission, and then lastly, a determined pursuit. A determined pursuit. A life like Paul's doesn't just happen. There was intentionality, right? He, he, he was like, okay, here's where I'm going. This is the focus. Even, we're gonna see in the verses next week, he was like, next, going to Spain. As they left Antioch, here's where we're going. We're going to return to Antioch. Then he went out on another mission. He came back. And at the same time, like, what? He was like, this is the goal. This is my intention. But I also know that God is in control. We, we know that he didn't get to Rome in the way that he expected. He came, back, came to Rome a few years later as a prisoner. And so what did he do? He did prison ministry. All right? Everyone, everywhere that he went, he proclaimed the gospel there. He got to, to present the gospel before kings. He, he, he went with it, whatever God had. But he was also intentional. So we read here, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Paul had the conviction, look, I want to go where nobody's ever heard the gospel. That's my mission field. That's mine. I want to go after it. Is there, is, there any, is there anyone being called here this morning to do that? Three billion people unreached. What does that mean? There is no gospel witness where they're at. 
Zero. I mean, that's it's unbelievable. We need more Pauls. We need more people to say, look, Lord, send me. I'm, I'm in. Send me. What, what do we need to do? What language do I need to figure out? What, like, what do we need to, we, we have to get to them. We want to see three billion people go to hell because we were too lazy or too distracted or too whatever to get on mission. Now, the cool thing that's happening is that God's bringing some of those people here. We, we got an email from someone from Beijing last week. And like, it's a crazy world, right? Somehow they heard about our church and they're moving here. And, and their goal is to be here for a while, but then to return. So what? So they can be on mission. So we're going to get around that family and we're going to love on them. We're going to pour into them so that we can be a part of the solution of the unreached having a gospel witness. And we, 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 we got to be about these things. We, we got to be strategic as a church. We can't do everything, right? We understand that. We can't do everything. But God, what are you calling us to do? For Paul, it's like, I'm going to the unreached. Was it okay if someone came after Paul and preached in the same area? It was okay, okay? But Paul, he had a heart for, for those. Why? Because of what he read in Scripture. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is from Isaiah 52. He's like, I, 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 want, I want to fulfill the Scriptures that said the Gentiles will hear the word. Those who have never heard about it, I want, I want them to hear this, this gospel. So what's your plan tomorrow, the next day, in regards to being a witness and being strategic with the gospel? If you're in school right now, that's your mission field. That's, a, that's an amazing mission field that you are in right now. When you want to talk about a battleground, it's in the schools. The world, Satan, is trying to get our kids. We need to wake up, parents, about that. We need to be on, on mission because they're being told lie after lie after lie in, your, in our schools. And if we don't wake up, our kids are going to be led astray. And so let us equip our kids so that they might be on the front lines being a witness for Christ. God's placed you in a particular workplace. How are you using that as a mission field? God's placed you in a certain community. How are you being strategic to reach that community for Christ? These are the things that we should be asking ourselves. How about your recreation? Is your goal every time you pull the trailer out that you're going to tell three people about Christ in that, that next campground? God places place us in a spot we don't really care about the view, God, but we want to be in a spot where we can be a witness to the people that are and the campers around us. Is that our mentality? It ought to be. Because why? Because we are servants of Christ. We are his ambassadors. And so let us follow Paul. May these be our characteristics. May these be our concerns. So that what? So that Christ might be glorified through us. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for...
this time together. Lord, as we think about the mission, when we're so easily distracted, when we're so, so easily want the, the focus to be on us rather than on Christ, God, we, we pray that you would, you would change us, that the, the power of the Spirit would help us as we leave this place to be witnesses for you. That that would be our, our focus as we, as we go through this next week so that as we come back to worship you again next Sunday, there would be more of us here because of, of the, the power of the Holy Spirit using the proclamation of the gospel to save people. And then, Lord, we'll go back out again and, and may this be the pattern, Lord, until you return. God, help us to press forward, Lord. Help us to be strategic in our gospel mission. Lord, help us to be like Paul. God, we're so thankful that you used a man who, who was broken, who was weak, who even, who even was made fun of as far as the speaking ability, and he, he, wasn't, he didn't defend himself. He was just like, yep, the power of Christ within me. God, may that be us. Fools unwise, broken, for your glory, for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.